good day to you, and welcome to Phil Pheasant's Movie Podcast, where American Bradley and British Daniel revolutionize film talk. Join us as we tackle a new double feature each show. This week's theme, or this month's theme, being Christmas movies. But before we get into that... (laughs) Before we get into that, Daniel... Um, how are you feeling? Are you excited for Christmas? I know your 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 uni semester has just ended. Well, kind of ended. The exams to kind of finish off the semester haven't haven't ended, so it's a bit annoying that we kind of have to revise over Christmas. But other than that, we're all good. You should probably more likely call us the the film turkeys this month rather than the film pheasants because of the season. Um, but no, I'm I'm well. I'm feeling in the Christmas spirit. We're recording this just a few days before the big day. Yeah, I'm excited. All right, great to hear. There's a lot to unpack here, Dan, both for us <laughs> and for our viewers, um, based off what you just said. So I, I honestly completely forgot about this, how in, in Europe, most universities don't finish until, what is it, February? Yeah, like late Jan, yeah. That is so messed up. Here we just we have all our exams right before Christmas, so then the break we could just tri- chill, hang out until January, February, and then you go back um, and you start anew in the new year. I, I forgot that's how you guys roll over there. Yeah, it's not ideal, but I suppose it gives us more time to revise for the exam. Honestly, I would get nothing done. But and w- Yeah, well, at the moment, not much is getting done, I must say. <laughs> All right, well, that's good. You need some time. And also, um, we call it studying on, on this side of the pond. I know you guys say revising. Well, studying, we call it studying, but... Studying is the the act of I don't know, revising is like specifically when you're going over stuff you've already learned. Whereas like studying you could be learning it for the first time as well. Oh, okay. That that's interesting uh, linguistic differences. Studying is is everything. You could in fact I would say it's mostly studying is the stuff you already learned. Interesting. Okay. Yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I guess you guys were the first ones to use the English language, so there's <laughs> I can't really put up much of a fight here. I suppose so, yeah. You've been watching any new films before we move on to the festive ones? Ooh, let's see. I saw the movie Thanksgiving. Did we talk about that last time? Yeah, we did, yeah. Okay, other than that, I haven't been back to the theater. I was trying to get um, my tushy in the seats to see Napoleon, but it just hasn't worked out. Um, one thing I do want to see um, really badly is Paul Meskel's new movie, um, All of Us Strangers. I think it actually released for you. Well, you don't know. That's right. You saw it at London Film Festival. Yeah, Was that it? it's amazing. Okay. I'm definitely looking forward to that. I think it's a limited release kind of thing here, but probably will be. Um, yeah. Thankfully, being close to New York, um, it shouldn't be too hard to find a showing somewhere. Yeah. Have you? Is it New York, which has um, like this big like film center, which plays like loads of films and has like loads of like events and screenings and talks? Um, listen, that that kind of thing probably exists. <laughs> um, if it does, I wouldn't be totally aware of it. I just mean like. Um, I'll just Google all of us strangers in the New York area, and then it'll give me like a couple, you know, maybe more niche theaters that play that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. There definitely exists some theaters that have talks and stuff like that, but um, in all honesty, I haven't been too involved. But if you ever find the name of that, let me know. Maybe it is in New York. It could be another city too, you know. Hipsters overtake a lot of our big cities, so. <laughs> so, <laughs> which, is, which is a good thing in my book. It, it lends itself to a lot of different art experiences. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, what about you, Dan? Have you seen anything new lately? Honestly, um, not really. I've, I saw Wonka. Ooh. Um, but that was, nice. I mean, that was a couple of weeks ago now, but I saw Wonka. Um, that was really fun. Super fun. 
nice and it felt quite um festive as well very very like family oriented quite funny very british um it's by the director of the paddington films um yeah it was good it was good fun um yeah i've heard good things and i've also heard mixed things about timothy chalamet in it well what are your thoughts i think he's pretty good um he's not trying to be like gene wilder or even johnny depp really like he's putting his own stamp on the character and i think he's actually quite charming um some of the previews made it look completely stupid um (laughs) <laughs> but over time, you you get used to him, and I think he's actually quite endearing. Um, yeah, I I didn't mind it. I wouldn't rush out to see it. But if anyone was like, "Oh, I'm going," should I be like happy about that? Should I take my family? I'd be like, "Yeah, yeah, why not? Good time." <laughs> okay, nice. So next time someone walks up to you and says, "I'm going to see Wonka," should I hate my <laughs> life right now? You'll say no. Don't yeah, hate exactly. Your life. Exactly. <laughs> No, but that that's cool. I, I think I would like to see it too. I've, I've heard uh, good things about it, and the musical sequences I heard are really fun. Yeah, the, yeah, the it's it's quite a few musical sequences, and um, some of the original songs are quite quite fun. Um, it starts off a bit shaky on the music. The first opening number is not great in my opinion, but the rest right. of them are really really fun. There's like a okay, I'll show up late then. There's, <laughs> there's like a. A subplot where he's kind of locked in with all these other um, workers and they're like washing these clothes and the songs goes scrub scrub and it goes on for like a good five minutes and it's just like them chanting scrub scrub and it's it's great. I, I loved it. It's like a real earworm. Oh, okay, good. I thought you were going to say that was the one you didn't like. All right. And uh, anything else you've seen? Yeah, no, not really. Just watching the... Watching these lovely Christmas films, which I am excited to hear your thoughts on. Oh my god, this is going to be a different one for sure. It's going to be a different one. Um, all right, so our two movies this this month, we have. Um, you'll have to remind me of the name that, of the name of the one that you chose because it's like I know generally it's like a thousand miles from Christmas, but is that it? A thousand miles from Christmas. Yeah, so they've translated it to a thousand miles from Christmas. The original is. A mil kilometros de la Navidad, which is obviously kilometers, but they obviously thought for Western audiences miles would be more appropriate. Apparently, um, <laughs> <laughs> I forget. Do you use miles in England? Yeah, when I, I when I say Western, obviously Spain's a Western country. I mean English speaking. I I misspoke. Though. Yeah, but you know we do use miles no, gotcha. um, for distances. But for basically anything else, we use kilometers. What do you mean? Kilometers are distance. No, no. When I say, so when you're driving, you would often use like miles yeah. per hour. Oh, yeah. But, okay, so you probably wouldn't use kilometers, but let's say you're, um, I don't know. It's it's inconsistent is what I'm trying to say. Okay, sometimes yeah, yeah. we use I, the I old system, say, yeah, sometimes yeah. we use the new system, but yeah. it wasn't quite necessary Thankfully, to... Thankfully, this isn't the distance podcast. It's not, even though we are going, recording across a long distance. Oh, that was a good connection. <laughs> but, uh, all right. And then, so we have that movie, and then we have White Christmas, um, 1956 movie. Uh, starring Bing Crosby. Mm-hmm. 54. Wait, say that again? 1954. Oh, 54. Okay, okay, okay. Thank you. I thought you said 34. I'm like, no, I'm off by 20 <laughs> years. All right, cool. Nice. So, Dan, which one do you want to 
Do you want to start with? Which, which one are we? I feel like I always choose which one to start with, so I want you to take the lead. You choose. I'm, I'm offering you this gift in the in the Christmas sense. You choose which one to start with. Bro. Hmm. Okay, let's start with White Christmas, because I'm, I'm not sure if I'm right here, but I think we're going to have more to say about our Spanish film today. Interesting. Than the White Christmas. So, yeah, let's, let's do the White Christmas, so that way we don't feel rushed if we have a lot to talk about with the other okay. one. Okay. So, uh, all right, so... Um, I chose this one. I'll do the summary. You know how it goes. I floundered through the summary and Dan saves me halfway through. <laughs> um, but White Christmas, it's a movie about two uh, buddies who meet in the army. One, one buddy saves the other buddy's life. And they both love to sing and dance and play instruments. So after they get out of the war, they become like, uh, like a minstrel duo um, in, in the post-war America. And they do all these shows and they meet um, another pair of um, women performers. And they, wow, this is long-winded. And then they go to a, they try to save a, 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 a struggling hotel in the Vermont mountains with their performance. Um, anything to add to that summary? Kind of, yeah. That's that's pretty much the, the summary. There's a big war theme here. As you say, they start mm -hmm. in, in the war, leave the war, but the hotel is run by their ex-general. Um, yeah, so the general they were under in the war... Um, he ends up being the one that owns this hotel and they run into each other and, oh, hello, Mr. General, whatever, what have you. And it's a musical. Yeah, it's a, as opposed to any film released today, even like Wonka, Wonka has about six musical numbers. This is like almost every five minutes you get a, you get a song, maybe, maybe 10 minutes. Maybe I'm exaggerating, but there's a lot of musical numbers in this. It's like a yeah, full on musical. Oh yeah, and is that something you enjoyed? You sound like you're putting a little negative twist on. This. No, no, no. I just want, I just want the the listeners to be clear what we mean by musical, because the way we describe musicals today does not necessarily correlate to how musicals were made in the fifties. All right, good point. Yeah, I see what you're. Um, so let's start with that. Did you like the music in this? One? I did like the music. I thought it was perfectly charming. Um, of course, the the titular White Christmas um makes a couple of appearances. Um, I actually preferred the first rendition of that, which just because it was like kind of out of context, I got caught off guard because I think it might be the, even the first song in the film. Um, I think it is. Yeah. But no, I really enjoyed the music. I thought it was quite fun. Um, it was, I, I actually preferred the kind of stuff around the music, the whole performance aspect of it rather than the oh, yeah. songs themselves. Cause the songs are fairly simple, like repeating like, um, verses, but the the performances around them and the color of in the film is what really kind of got me. Yeah, I, I would agree. I, yeah, the music was it's jaunty, it's it's minstrel. Thankfully, um, um, blackface is kind of the thing that goes hand in hand with minstrel in a lot of people's minds. Thankfully, that's not that's not in this movie. So when you hear us talk about the minstrel music, um, there's there's no thankfully there's there's nothing um, racially inspired in it. Um, but yeah, I enjoyed the music quite a bit. One song I absolutely despised, <laughs> like while while they were singing it, I'm like, please stop singing this song. This song is terrible. It was when they're on the train and they start singing about snow. Mm. Um, they're imagining Vermont and they it's just the worst sounding song. I'm like, please stop singing this. Nothing rhymed. And I know that was the point, I guess. I don't know. But nothing rhymed. So none of like, it was never a satisfying thing to listen to. But I, I just had to get that out of the way. I hated that song. Everything else was really good. It had these... Honestly, some of them were really epic musical numbers, which I really enjoyed. The only movie I've seen prior to this that's um, 
anything really similar from like a, a vaguely similar era is um, Singing in the Rain, which also has these, you know, sort of more, more old timey jaunty tunes and some amazing sequences. But yeah, the music was real nice. I do have to say though, this movie is one of the, it's one of the worst movies. It's one of the worst Christmas movies at being a Christmas movie. It's Christmas at the beginning for 10 minutes and it's Christmas at the end for about 12 minutes. Everything in between can be at almost any season. Oh, I say almost because they do talk about snow, but I don't know. Snow can be February. <laughs> so I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I didn't. It it did kind of stop being a Christmas movie at some point and then become a Christmas movie again, as you say. Um, the final number is performed on Christmas Eve. The main song is White Christmas, but most of the film is not about Christmas. But, but, one big but there is, the film does not necessarily have to be about Christmas or feature Christmas iconography if it has the certain sentimentality of Christmas. And I think the spirit of Christmas is somewhere to be found in this film. In the same, in the same sense of like, um, is Die Hard a Christmas film just because it's set on Christmas? Well, it's not just because it's set on Christmas, it's also because he saves the day and there's kind of an optimistic feeling to it and it's quite fun. And that's kind of also present in this film. Not that it's anything like Die Hard, but what I mean is like the, the <laughs> genre of a Christmas film does not necessarily just mean Christmas wall to wall. It's also a certain vibe. Yeah, I, I know exactly what you mean, but I do have a, a rebuke or two. Um... For one, okay, I, I I definitely see where you're coming from. It's like the sort of um, it's the it's the nice feelings that you have from watching it. It can make it a Christmas movie, um, but uh, I don't know. This movie was called White Christmas. Like to me, a movie that's called White Christmas should be centered around like really directly Christmas. But at the same time, I could see, especially because movies from this era, they it's not like now we have all these Hallmark movies that they pump out forty of them a year, which I think we'll end up talking about, especially with the next movie. We're <laughs> but where essentially th there's a Christmas tree in every shot. There's a rap present in every shot. Every every scene, somebody's mentioning something about Christmas, saying Merry Christmas, Happy Christmas, Merry Christmas, Christmas. And then we go back to these movies that were made in an earlier decade. Not an early, yeah, an earlier decade. And they don't mention di Christmas directly as much. The, you know, Christmas happens at one point or two points throughout the movie. And um, yeah, the great Merry Christmas. They don't really shove it in your face as much as they do nowadays with Christmas movies. Like, you know, of course, even going beyond the Hallmark movies, like Everybody Loves Elf, you know, The Grinch, any version mm. of The Grinch, they mentioned Christmas every single scene. So these older movies, even though they're still considered Christmas movies, they're not, you know, like, like you said, a lot of them just have sort of that atmosphere of Christmas. And I feel like a lot of people, um, they associate certain movies with holidays just because maybe the first time they saw it was around Christmas. Mm -hmm. Like I know, or just other holidays. Like I have a cousin who... Um, on American Thanksgiving every year, he he watches Wizard of Oz. Wizard of Oz has nothing to do with Thanksgiving, but it's just like to him, it, it's just they, they connect and he just grew up watching it on Thanksgiving. So to him, it's a Thanksgiving, you know? So in, in that same way, I think this could definitely be considered a, a strong, strong Christmas. Yeah, I think we have that kind of thing. We have films which play often around this time of year. Something like The Sound of Music often plays around Christmas. Oh, yeah. And that like becomes associated with Christmas just by kind of proximity. But I do get your point. If you cut out, to be honest, if you cut out the last scene, the film's not a Christmas film. Because just because he performs the song White Christmas 
in the war at the beginning is not really Christmassy. It's only really the final yeah. sequence is like actual Christmas iconography. Um, but to get, but to get beyond that, what did you think about the plot surrounding the music? Because I personally felt it was quite thin. It was quite thin. Wild. Oh well, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, I feel like you kind of need a loose plot in order to make all these musical numbers work. Because if the plot's too good, I find myself in musicals being like, okay, enough of this music crap. Let's get to the plot. But with this, you're right. It's a very loose plot. It's like these two um, veterans are kind of just performing and then they meet these two girls and then they end up just going to Vermont for not really any good reason other than just to go up to Vermont. And then they find their old general in this old hotel and then they say, okay, let's save the hotel. I pretty much just told you the entire plot. Any motivation that people have in the movie, I kind of just laid out. Well, yeah, three sentences. they go to Vermont to follow the to follow the women because one of them kind of takes a fancy to to one of the women and thinks, oh yeah, we'll we'll get in with these girls because they they want to find a love interest. Yeah, yeah, but uh, do you have anything to add about that? Do, are you about to like tear this movie apart? No, no. The the as you say, it's very simple. They they. They want a woman, they find a woman, and they get the woman, and they perform with the woman at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course, there are a few little um, spanners in the works along the way. Um, some kind of funny hijinks. At one point, there's a, there's a fake proposal, um, which goes wrong. Which, which actually did make me think a little bit of the, the silliness of um, kind of Hallmark films in some way. Oh yeah, like absolutely. it's interesting yeah. how so obviously that's a a comedy thing like the the lie that's got out of hand and all that type of stuff. But it's interesting how that tradition is carried over from the traditional comedy into like the kind of new new wave of churned out um, TV Christmas. Yeah, I know what you mean. I think that that's kind of just like it's, it's a trope at this point to kind of show very uh, like it's a very easy way of showing character development i feel like in a lot of modern movies sort of oh these two people they fake well so two characters in the in the movie fake an engagement as dan said when they they do like each other but the man is afraid of commitment so they have a fake engagement uh in order to manipulate the other characters essentially um and i would say it's a, it's a very easy trope just to be like okay they they didn't want to be together in the beginning and now they do Hooray. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it got it got pretty lazy. It was kind of it was a subplot here, but uh, isn't there a movie coming out soon that's exactly like that with um Sydney Sweeney? Um anyone but you. Have you heard about it? I haven't heard about this, no. It's like this exact thing. It's like people that that pretend to be together for like social reasons and then they probably end up falling in love. You know, it's just like it's a oh, rom com. Such a classic rom com Yeah. But it, yeah, it's definitely evident in in this flick for sure. This flick they 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 really fancy each other. Yeah, the the to be honest, the thing that stood out to me was the use of color and the the choreography and all that was very impressive. Recently, I watched oh, yeah. um, a film called The Red Shoes um, on the on the big screen in, in the cinema. It was like a a nice. restoration, and um, that's like probably one of the best uses of color in all of cinema. And um, highly recommend that film. But this film actually reminded me a lot of the way color just like pops in these kind of old films in when they yeah. use certain kind of film stocks and stuff. There's like a really Im- impressive sequence where like with these really bright purples, it's, um, <laughs> they're all like wearing these completely ridiculous costumes. 
the one of the one of my favorite moments which actually made me laugh out loud which is quite rare in this film um <laughs> yeah. they perform this hugely complicated musical number and it's like it's going all over the place it's great i can't remember what song it was now and then at the very end you just cut to the audience and it's just like the the general and his two little assistants sitting there in a little chair <laughs> yeah yeah that that was awesome because at first since it's a struggling hotel they have no one to perform to so they're they're practicing and then they're, yeah you're right that was a pretty funny moment i don't know if i laughed out loud and i also don't remember what song that was but I, i'd be hard pressed to remember any specific one specific song other than the snow song from this, <laughs> from this but yeah i think was that the one where um all the background dancers were um dressed up like jim carrey's joker from like the the, the 90s batmans they had like the green <laughs> top hat and the green suits honestly That's like the only a, oh, a lot of them blend together but um damn one thing i wanted to ask you because i figure you know the answer is um i know a lot of people talk about how in these old movies women have to keep their pitch in a specific um have to keep their voice in a specific pitch in order for like microphones to pick it up or something and that's why their voices sound like really like weird a lot of the time and like weirdly high pitched is is that how it goes hmm or was it your you're relying on my knowledge, but my knowledge in this area is thin. Um, I'm not entirely. Oh, dang it. I thought you were. I th I'm not entirely sure. Um, I thought you were making movies in the 1950s. No, a little bit, but oh, a little bit after my time. That actually. <laughs> no, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. Every time I watch a, an old movie, I'm just like, um, why, why do they make the women sound like this? You know what I mean? I don't know. I just guess that it's part of the kind of over the top way the whole thing's done. Um. I'm not really sure. I I did. It's it's funny. Um, kind of sometimes how obvious the synchronization is on the musical numbers. Like when they suddenly burst into song in the scene. Oh yeah. It's like okay, you can tell it's not him singing. It. He's like mouthing a recording. Um, yeah. But you know, I didn't mind it too much. Some fun facts about this. Um, well, a fun fact: the director of this film is also the the director of Casablanca. Really? Oh. Wait, Brad. All right, well, now this movie... You've got... I can't hear that? you. Oh, crap. I'll give it difficulties. It should be all right. You still can't hear me? Hmm. Uh, try again? All right, can you hear me? No. I don't know what's going on. You just cut out. All right, how about now? Yeah, yeah, that, that works. Oh, great. Okay, we're back. Okay. Yeah, the director of this film is the director of Casablanca. Sweet. Are you a fan of Casablanca? Is, is that is that a Dan certified film? Yeah, I, I think Casablanca is a pretty pretty good film, yeah. Sweet. You know, then I wanted to comment on what you said about um, him sort of limps, like going from saying the dialogue to lip syncing the song. I think Bing Crosby did a better job of lip syncing the song sung by um, the females than than his songs. Because <laughs> there's this one sequence where him and his co-star are like mouthing. It's like a very comedic scene and they're mouthing, um, pretending to sing a song that's being sung by women off camera. And I swear, Bing Crosby does such a good job of 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 lip of um like lip syncing that song, and it was better than his own songs in the movie. Just some, something weird I noted. Yeah, his, his co-star, the actor, is Danny Kaye, who's a pretty prolific musician um, and also actor. I saw him in a film called A Song Is Born, which is quite a good film. Uh, it's kind of oh, cool. um. It's 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 like a similar farce type thing. Um, basically, to, to try and surmise the plot, because I would recommend this film if you can kind of s s um, seek it out. 
It's called A Song mm-hmm. Is Born. Not A Star Is Born. A Song Is Born. Yeah. And um, mm-hmm. basically, it's about these really stuck-up professors who have locked themselves away to write up the history of music. And um, as they've been writing down in the history books, trying to, trying to like, chronologize the history of music, outside, um, jazz has exploded, basically. And okay. um, they're like, someone comes in and starts... Um, humming or playing the tune or doing a bit of blues and they're like what is this what is this they've never like they've never heard it before and they're like astonished and suddenly they leave the the like um stuffy room which they've been like researching in and go out to these jazz clubs and are just like blown away and the the story goes from there but yeah it's another good musical nice and danny k plays the main character in that one he plays one of the main characters he plays one of the, the professors yeah nice all right cool all right, so um, wrapping up on White Christmas, Dan. What what are your closing thoughts on this? Would you would you recommend this to people looking for Christmas movies? Well, well, what I'd say is the well, the, to to be honest, the way I watched it was I had it on, I was watching it, and I was doing a little bit of Christmas wrapping whilst I was watching. It. Oh, and nice. I think that is the ideal experience. Not um one hundred percent attention, <laughs> but like almost all the way. Put it on, like. Because I feel like the the music and the like the color and the dancing is enough to like create a good atmosphere, and because the plot's so loose, you don't necessarily have to fully like lock in. Yeah. I think it's good for that. It's quite a nice film to just stick on. You don't have to worry about it too much, but it's perfectly pleasant. And yeah, that's what that's what I'd say. Yeah, I'd say that's um. I'd say that that's a, that's a good recommendation. Like if you've got a puzzle going with the family or or something hanging out on Christmas, I think this also like this is definitely something I would throw on with um, like my uncles around because they're like our parents' generation is the generation where they had parents. At least in America, um, they had a lot of them had parents who you know were kind of shipped off the war and then came back to the United States. So having like a parent as a veteran potentially could make this movie a lot more meaningful for you. So, but the thing is with that too, most parents have probably already seen this movie. So, you know, it's not like you're going to tell this to your mom and she's going to be like, oh my God, I've never heard of this gem with Bing Crosby before. So, yeah, but yeah, I feel the same way. I think I liked it a little bit less than you. Mm, Interesting. Yeah. I don't know. Just some of the musical numbers. I'm like, all right, I'm not like totally crazy about this. Most of them were very good. A couple of the songs I didn't really like. The set pieces were nice, but it also, it dragged a little bit by the end, but the, the ending was satisfying enough. It left off. Some movies aren't very good at um, having satisfying ending, endings, which um, I'm going to be, I don't know about you, but I'm going to be talking about for the one that we're talking about next. Um, but this one has a satisfying ending that, that leaves you feeling pretty warm and nice, very Christmassy, very good ending. There you go. Yeah, this one has a great ending, which brings the war theme back into the forefront. And I think when you talk about that, the the numbers performed at the end make it a lot more meaningful, as you say. I think it brings that theme yeah. back, kind of the theme about people being discarded after they've returned home, um, which is a theme which we can relate to now. Kind of soldiers just getting shipped off. You go do this, do it for your country. And then when you come back, your country doesn't exactly treat you right. I think that's quite a, an interesting and important theme. Um, obviously, other films have done it better, but to have it <laughs> be part of this film is also nice. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely something that can make it appeal to a, a lot more people without that theme. Yeah. Would you like me to summarize the plot for 
1,000 miles slash kilometers from Christmas. Yes, Dan, please. I'm dying for the summary. Well, so we have a man who lives in Madrid, and he is a financial auditor. And each year at Christmas, we're told he leaves the country to go to Cuba, which is not very relevant. He, he just gets as far away from Christmas as possible because he mm-hmm. hates it. He's basically like, I mean, he's not quite like Scrooge, because, but he's a Scrooge-like figure. Um, but just bef- And you guys are not going to believe what happens <laughs> that by the end of this movie, what happens to this guy. You would, All right, sorry, yeah, you would never guess it. Just before Christmas, he's sent to go and audit a factory in like a town, a proper small town. I can't remember like, exactly where in Spain, but you know. It was filmed in the Pyrenees, so that would make make it the northwest northwest Spain. Okay, well there you go. Somewhere in the north. Um yeah, he's he's um I'm just trying to see if it says the uh actual place here. Oh, the name of the town? I'm not sure if it's real, but it's called Valverde. Valverde, yeah. So he's got sent to audit this factory. When he gets there he finds out it's a it's a fudge factory, which is a big kind of thing in Spain. You eat Turon um around christmas time yeah and it's called la navideña which is literally like christmasiness or whatever um yeah that's the factory and whilst he's there as brad says he slowly begins to fall back in love with christmas and potentially with one of the locals <laughs> fantastic bow tie <laughs> um but yeah i i i have to say dan i'm really excited to hear what you have to say about this one i I'll start us off by saying I really enjoyed this movie. I really enjoyed it. Um, I thought um, I really enjoyed how it took place in like the north of Spain in the mountains. Because um, I mean, over here in the states, I'm not sure how general like thoughts are about Spain and England, but generally, people here in the states view Spain as like it's it's beaches and sangria and paella and like that's it. When in reality, Spain is like everything. It has like mountains and deserts and dense forests and beaches too. It's got all that stuff. So this really highlights like the gorgeous, gorgeous mountains that you could find in Spain. There are some absolutely incredible shots, um, which I found on Wikipedia. It states they filmed in a few locations, but a lot of those shots, I believe, are the Pyrenees Mountains up in northwest Spain. And um, I thought that part was really nice. It had the whole movie. They did a really good job, had this really nice, just warm Christmassy feeling. Like in every scene. It, to me, this is like a, like a high-budget, more enjoyable Hallmark movie to me. But wait, are you familiar with Hallmark movies? Are those popular? Yeah, yeah. So Over there, too? Okay, so I know exactly what you mean when you talk about a Hallmark movie. Um, yeah. So because at Christmas, we have... So obviously nowadays, there's also like made-for-Netflix films, which are kind of in a similar vein. Um, but there's this channel on British TV called Movies 24. It might be an American thing, I don't know. And around November, December, it becomes Christmas 24. And they play Christmas movies all day long. And it's these kinds of churned out Hallmark-esque Christmas movies. Where often it's someone from a city, they go to a small town, they fall in love. um, They, you know, learn how to make the best cookie. They help to... Um, decorate the local shed like yeah you know this kind of stuff and and you can always almost guess the next line in the scene um yeah this is as you say it it's similar ish to that but i think it has so much um going for it 
I I really enjoyed this as well. Um, oh, good. Okay. Because I mean, I have a I have a soft spot for these kinds of films, but oh, yeah. the kind of Spanish um, flavor was just so fun. I loved all the cultural like specific specificities. Um, oh yeah. Like it feels like a like a even though it's like a I think it's a Netflix film. Um, it feels fairly creatively Spanish, um, even though it has all these influences going on. Yeah. Yeah, I I would one hundred percent agree. There's there's that first part or one of the first parts in the movie where he first visits the Turon factory and everybody's just like they're teaching him how they make how they make it. In the, and, and everybody's like up in his face, like, Merry, Merry Christmas. This is how we do it. We love it here. You know, like this, this, this town is the best town, you know, ever. And we love what we do. And to me, yeah, that, that was like pretty uniquely Spanish. I mean, of course it was over the top. It's not, you know, not everybody in Spain is like that, but just like how, how just like excited everybody was over Turon and, and all their other traditions that they do. And, and, you know, the nativity scene that they were, that they were going to act out. Um, yeah, it made it like, really really spanish and really um like sentimental yeah the 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 whole thing about the the living nativity was very interesting um even though in the in the translation they never actually call it living nativity um but that's what it is it's a living nativity so like they it takes over the whole town square and there's not a stage it's the whole thing is the nativity okay i actually needed that explanation because i didn't really know why there wasn't a stage yeah so 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 in I think it's a it's a specific Spanish thing, but maybe it's not. Where they kind of put on these productions of nativities, which are called living nativities, where mm. they basically have it, it. It's like it. It's like an open map. It's an open playground, um, and you can kind of walk through it. And yeah, it's a whole thing. Um, yeah, I, I was confused because there was no viewers. Like everybody in the whole town was dressed up. And kind of acting out, and people were like, you know, saying lines, but nobody's really watching. Yeah. So I, I, I'm not gonna lie. I thought that was just a really weird part of that the movie decided to do, but that makes a lot more sense. Maybe, knowing that it's like a thing, a living native. Maybe I've completely like got the wrong end of the stick. Maybe the movie did make it up, but I don't think so. No, I mean that 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 sounds reasonable to me. It would it would make a hundred percent more sense because I was picturing like how we how like a lot of Catholics here in the states do, where it's a stage and you know it's very straightforward. But theirs is they kind of lay out the whole, they use the whole town as sort of a set piece. Mm -hmm. And each individual person in the the village is dressed up and playing a role in it. So that would make a a lot, a lot more sense. Yeah, in the film they call it un belen viviente. But in the the translation they just call it nativity. I don't know why. Um, Yeah, they, I don't know. I've heard a lot of Spaniards just refer to it as belen. Mm -hmm. I haven't really heard any other phrases. I haven't even really heard nativity. But I guess that's what uh, Navidad just directly translates to so I, I suppose that's why term nativity okay I, i've just done some live research and the belen viviente is a thing um they didn't make it up for the film it happens in lots of spanish town um cool yeah yeah i spent last christmas over um over in in your mother country daniel so i i i wouldn't know a lot of the you know around christmas traditions well well me ne- me neither really i was i'm here for christmas i was here for christmas yeah what, what what did you think about the romance, Brad? Let's 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 dive deep. So when he arrives at the town, um, he has a has an accident and bumps into one of the props for this nativity play, and he's suddenly met by a woman called Paula, um, and they 
don't exactly hit it off. Um, he is very hating on Christmas, and she's the leader of this nativity. And then when he gets back to his hostel, she also happens to have a job in the hostel. Um, mm-hmm. And then they keep bumping into each other and kind of build this kind of love-hate relationship, which turns into love. What, what did you think? Um, the romance worked in it for me. Um, I liked, I do like the character, pa- the character Paolo a lot. I feel like, um, I mean, that's a trope, like having one character that sort of does a lot of jobs, you know, around the small town. But I feel like that this sort of trope of the character that does a lot lends itself so well to just like a Spanish Pueblo. Because in a, in some of these small Pueblos, you really do have a lot of people doing a lot of different jobs because, um, the sad reality is that a lot of people are, are moving out of the small Spanish towns. So, you know, small populations are potentially getting even smaller. Um, so I thought it was really sweet how much she cared about, um, her little town and how much she did, you know, she was like a teacher. She taught like CPR. She ran the hostel, the hostel. She, or she orchestrates the entire like living, um, nativity scene. So she does a lot. And our main character, he's, he's a total dork in my opinion. I don't know if, if you took him that way too. I think cause it's the actor. I, he definitely did this on purpose. He had a very dumb look to him. Mm-hmm. Not that he's look, I'm digging myself in a hole. Not that he looks like a dumb person, but he would, you know, just, he acted kind of dumb and it kind of worked for me because, um, he was just like this, this just straight up guy that hates Christmas, um, which we've seen before, but I don't know. I think it, it just worked well. It was cute enough. Um, I have some issues with the ending of this thing, but the, the romance worked well. I liked, I, I found myself enjoying watching the main characters interact, which I feel like at the end of the day with a silly movie like this, that's all you really need. You know, do you enjoy watching these main characters? What about you? That worked for you? Yeah, yeah, I, I quite enjoyed it. Some of my favourite scenes were the interactions between the two of them. One of my favourite scenes was um, when they play charades um, for the films. Charades. <laughs> and um, they they just get so excited guessing each other's answers. And um, you wouldn't have like quite got the reference, but going back to um, episode two with Guillermo del Toro, um, there's, a, there's a moment where he does like a this on his face or whatever and it's um pan's labyrinth and i just like oh yeah. i just laughed out loud i was like this is amazing like this film yeah you like is that. referencing <laughs> pan's labyrinth and la la land and all these other films and i was like this like it's not like it has so much character to it i just like and then they go and watch um it's a wonderful life in in the plaza um mm-hmm. and one of my favorite lines is um he says just before the only thing worse than Christmas is the movies they make about Christmas. <laughs> and he's obviously <laughs> in a Christmas movie. Yeah. Like, I feel like I had a There's very good sense of humor, um, which just really got on my wavelength. And the main actor, as you say, he plays it completely dorky. Um, but I I was like, do I know this guy? And um, I didn't quite recognize him. But then I saw on the cast is this guy called Tamar Novas. And he was in a film, which mm-hmm. I saw in Valladolid at the festival, and he was there no afterwards. What? So I've actually seen this guy on stage. He did like a little conversation, and he looks transformed in this film, I tell you. He does not look like oh. this guy. Like, if you Google Tamar Novas, he's got like yeah, well... curly hair, he looks quite steely, quite handsome. Like, in this film, he's like a complete cartoon character. Yeah, absolutely. With the he has got this mustache. Yeah, the mustache. Absolutely. Yeah, that's so funny that you saw him. How was the movie that he was in in uh, in Semenki? So I saw him in a film called O Corpo Aberto, which was like a Galician production. 
which was quite oh, okay. strange. It was interesting. Um, it was quite good. I, I would guess you probably can't see it anywhere outside of Spain. Um, but no, it was interesting. Completely different to this. Like very serious, very um, like a gothic drama horror thing. Oh, cool. Yeah, I see. Open body in uh, English translation. Mm. Nice. But yeah, that was a that was a, f- right, a funny little thing. Yeah, that's that's really neat. Um, for the people who um, are lost on what the heck we're talking about, the, the city um, we lived in in Spain, they had their own film festival. Um, it happens every October, and it's called Seminci or S E M I N C I. So they would say Seminci, um, and plenty of movies. I think I saw four or five, and Dan got the press pass with his handy University of Manchester um, newspaper. Uh, you know, connections or whatever, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> How many movies did you end up seeing when you were there? Do you remember? I can't remember. It wasn't that many, to be fair. But yeah. yeah, I had never been to a film festival before, so just being in the city, I'm like, oh my god, I gotta get on, I gotta get on this. I, I remember I saw Banshees of Inisherin, um, but something that was really fun. Well, funny, I wouldn't say fun. And Dan, I believe I've, I, I definitely told you this, but the first movie I walk into is an American film. And it was uh, directed by a freaking guy that lives like an hour away from me in the United States. And he was the director and he was there, like in Valladolid. He just happened. <laughs> yeah, I remember you telling me about that. I'm like, wild. Yeah, I'm like, what are you doing here? Yeah, that, that was just funny because I was like, all right, I'm going to see some, you know, some pretty unique exotic films. <laughs> and then um, just a guy that was from like a couple towns over from me in the States was sitting, was sitting there, the director, but we'll stop. All right, back to the movie. You got to get a little sidetrack. Yeah, so... To, to kind of top us off, there's these two who are in a relationship and then there's the the director of the factory um, is kind of had a lifelong crush on Paula and has always been trying to... Um, Swoon her. Yes, own. yes, precisely. And he kind of starts meddling um, and he turns out to be evil um, in many ways. Um, He's so evil. Yeah. Well, I didn't love his character um it is that's more on the side of like everything's over the top everything's like hyper i feel like he only really got one kind of trait whereas i feel like some of the other ones were a little bit more complex um yeah yeah i'm well here's the thing with that i feel like in a movie like this um i don't really i don't need a villain that's um intense or anything or even really layered i mean he worked just fine for me but I know exactly what you mean. He's very surface level. He's one dimensional. But um, I, st- I was still totally enjoying this movie, even with, uh, you know, his one dimensionality. He doesn't really have any motive other than uh, money and, and woman. Um, and that didn't bug me too much. I don't know. It just didn't hinder my enjoyment. I think it's because the movie's already an hour and 45 minutes. So I feel like with, with uh, you know, maybe a two dimensional villain maybe would have added an extra 10. And I feel like the movie just did not need that. Yeah, that that's but, fair. Well, you you would have liked a little bit more to hold on to there. Maybe a tiny bit. I see what you mean. I don't think I minded it too much because a lot of this play is played in this kind of broad sense. Um, I just I think I just loved the the rest of the stuff a lot. That he didn't really stand out to me. Um, yeah. Okay. Let's let's talk about the ending, Brad. Because I know you mentioned before you yeah. had some potential qualms with the ending. What what is your say your piece? Yes. So then. <laughs> Well, this is the hill I'll die on, but I, I think you'll agree with me. But okay, I think the like we were talking about before, one of the things that make a Christmas movie a Christmas movie 
is that the ending, it wraps it up nicely and you leave with a nice feeling. So that way, if it's Christmas Day and you're watching a movie, you just feel good. You just feel good. This one, I felt like it felt good, but it, it should have went so hard into just giving me the satisfying ending. And it just felt so half-tushied to me to censor it. <laughs> it felt so half-tushied. Um, and honestly, I felt I felt kind of unsatisfied. So, okay, let me spoil the whole ending for everybody. What, what ends up happening is the um, <laughs> the evil guy kicks the the good guy down the side of a mountain and then the good guy has to get back to town somehow to tell everybody in the town that the evil guy is actually evil and that the good guy is the good guy so he wander he's wandering the woods and he runs into Santa's sleigh with reindeer now keep in mind this whole movie there were no like you know of course Santa could exist in this movie universe but for the most part there's no fantastical elements yeah in, until like 15 minutes left in the movie this freaking reindeer I laughed. That was awesome. That's not my complaint. Yeah, I love that. Bit. So he gets on the sleigh. He, he what was I that? love that bit. I was, I literally laughed out loud. I was like, "This is amazing. Why okay. not?" Yeah, yeah, we're on the same page there. But so he takes the sleigh back, and he he ends up being um, the angel in the nativity scene, and he gets and he they suspend him above the town, and he tells everybody, "Bad guy is bad," and then everybody says, "No, bad guy, no, you stink, bad guy," and then the bad guy goes away, and the movie ends. Well, he, okay, let me, let me get one thing straight. He also kisses the girl. But, th okay, this is what I wanted out of this ending. I wanted everybody to start shaking his hand, hugging him, saying, oh my God, you're such a good guy. We were so wrong about you. But that doesn't happen. Everybody just says, bye, bad guy. The bad guy leaves, and then he kisses the girl in the movie ends. I'm like, this is the kind of movie where I need everybody, the whole town, the walk, to run up to the main character. We love you. Stay forever. We love you. You know, give him kisses. But that didn't happen. He just got one kiss from the girl. The villain kind of gets shoved behind a door. And that's the ending. To me, this is not the satisfaction that a Christmas movie should give you. This It should wrap, like, literally everything in, in a bow. It should me, wrap you up like a present. <laughs> yes, just for me, on my couch. Well, yeah, I, I almost imagine, I just, as you just described that, Brad, I imagine that scene playing out where he gets dropped down by the rope and mm -hmm. everyone goes and shakes over his hand. And you slowly zoom out in a crane shot and everyone's around him and everyone's happy. That would have been perfect. So yes. you've just created an alternative in my head, which is probably better than what the film gave. But but they but the film does cut and then you see him leaving the town. Mm -hmm. This is like the, the true ending. You see him leaving the town and then he decides, actually, no, I'm not going to leave. He like chooses to kind of half crash his own car. Yeah, he crashes his car in, in December. <laughs> Which was an odd one. And then the girl comes over and he kisses her again. But the last thing he says to the girl, to Paula, is they weren't dogs. As in, in reference to the sleigh. Like, he's so... Yes. He's like, no, I'm not giving in to this. They were reindeer. It was magic. It was Christmas. They weren't yeah. dogs. And then they kiss. And then fade to black. Credits. But, like, it would have been so much better if you could fade to, like, another scene of them, like, in the house, like, pulling a cracker at the Christmas dinner table. Or just, like, one mm -hmm. thing to show that he's there enjoying Christmas with her. Like, one more thing. Absolutely. Like, a massive long table of the whole town. They're all eating, like, turkey together. Or, like, yeah, like, at the factory. You could, yeah, you could have anything. There's so many ideas here to kind of just put that one... One little topper on it, and it just felt very slightly rushed. Yes, uh -huh. yes, absolutely. 
That's what I'm saying, Dan. Sorry, I just totally ruined the ending for you. But yeah, 100%. It could have just been like a shot of the factory. Maybe he's the owner of the factory now. <laughs> and yeah, you're right. They're all eating Christmas dinner. And they have 10 children. Maybe a shot of him eating turon. Yeah, he never ate it. You're right. He never ate the turon. Have you ever eaten turon? I wanted to ask you. I never had turon in Spain. I've had like... Oh, you I've, never did. I've had like regular fudge, but obviously it's slightly different. Um, yeah, it's like a, it's kind of like a peanut brittle kind of thing. thing. I got it from a couple of my co-teachers, my co-workers at the school. They gave it to me. I mean, it was pretty good. It's much better than freaking, um, I think it's called polvorones, which they eat around Easter. It's like the powdery stuff. I don't like that. But the turron, pretty good stuff. And I liked, I liked its inclusion. It's like the whole town is run on turron. Yeah. That actually reminded me a little bit of, of to keep going back to Wonka, <laughs> the whole town's kind of run on chocolate in Wonka. And this is like a oh, nice. a similar thing in some ways, but no, I yeah, I'd like that. Too. I love this film. I apart from this little quibble with the ending, I just thought it was so fun. It was I loved all this little Spanishness. I loved how silly it was. It doesn't take itself too seriously. Every time he's asked, um, so why do you hate Christmas? Um, the the film like goes through a, a really silly transition, and it'll like you know in Star Wars how they have like the where the way the scene folds into like a circle, um, yes, they'll do like the same thing, but with like a little like gingerbread man cutout and like stuff like that, yeah, or like stars in this film, and it'll fade to a flashback in his childhood. And to be honest, it'll be these like traumatic memories: his parents getting a divorce, um, his dog dies on Christmas. Yeah, his girlfriend cheated on him when he was like sixteen on New Year's Eve. All this, yeah, stuff. like all of this stuff. Um, it's I I really enjoyed that. Yeah, yeah, it, it was really uh, I enjoyed that too because especially it was the kind of thing where um that was a very self aware joke in that the I remember the first shot of that it was his dog dying in a freak accident on like on Christmas Day or whatever and I'm like oh okay that's why he hates Christmas like that one thing happened and then they do it again with like a girl putting a pie in his face and then they do it again and then they do it like a fourth and a fifth time. So I'm like, okay, they're just like totally like they're they're going all in on the silliness, and to me that's like that 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 worked also. That was pretty funny. Yeah, and I think each time the 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 cookie cutter transition gets more ridiculous as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was so it was fun. It was it's like it's just a it was a fun silly thing. I think I like it more after talking to you about it for a bit. If you asked me like right at I watched this yesterday. If you asked me like right after it, I would have been like last. Like twenty minutes really just dragged the whole thing down for me. Um, yeah, just it's really just the ending that kind of kills me. Maybe it's a little bit too long. It's about an hour forty-five. I feel like they could have easily cut it down by ten and probably wouldn't have lost too much. Um, but I don't know. You know, I'm not a filmmaker, so I, you know, it's easier said than done. But yeah, really cozy atmosphere, some really beautiful mountain shots. Uh, yeah, you can't go wrong for for this one uh, for a Christmas. Yeah, lots movie, lots sure. of snow, um, cozy fires. There's a lot of Christmas imagery. Oh, a lot. I'll say. But the also, in that sense, very Spanish Christmas imagery because the whole thing about um, Christmas in Spain is you celebrate it on the is it the sixth of January? Like yeah, Three Kings. Day, yeah. So like he he is uh, they have like a meal on Christmas Eve and he's they don't really do anything on Christmas Day. Like it's not really a thing. Like in in this yeah, they film, just, like, hang out so it. you're still following along with like all the Spanish like way of doing Christmas, which I thought was quite nice. And yeah, that's really neat. I didn't even think about it that way. Yeah, 
And then one joke, which also which made me laugh, which was again in the charade scene. Um, they they're like uh, playing the charades, trying to describe films, and um, I think he's I think it's the time he tries to the the evil guy who at this point is not revealed to be that evil yet is trying to mm-hmm. act out the Hunger Games, I think. Yeah, and yeah, then yeah. The and then the the person's the person's mum doesn't get it right, and he just goes. Oh my god, you do know they did make movies after the transition, like after the transition to democracy in Spain. And I just like Oh my god, I didn't catch that. And I just love that. I was like Yeah. All all these like little That's throwaway funny. lines which just give it like a nice little bit of flavor. I think I just enjoyed it because yeah. there was all these like Spanish references and you know, I have a soft spot for that as well as the soft spot for silly Christmas films. So yeah, me too. I think some of those lines were kind of lost on me, though. I did, I did go at this in Spanish. I did Spanish audio with the Spanish subtitles. Okay. And because of that, yeah, some things were lost on me. Um, but you know, in movies like this, you could just find even if you only understand like half of what they're saying. Well, yeah, I did. I did Spanish and English. Um, yeah, maybe I should have went Spanish, Spanish. But yeah. No, I don't know. If this were any more serious. Um, then I would have totally gone English audio and Spanish or English, just straight up English audio or no done Spanish audio with English subtitles. But I was like, I think this is like a silly fun one. So let's give it a shot. And after 20 minutes, I'm like, yeah, I could, I think I could handle this. Cause yeah, my, um, sometimes like I, a lot of the times I get lost in like just watching stuff in Spanish, but yeah, this one. Yeah. So I guess that's a good thing for the viewers too. If, or not the viewers, the listeners, if anybody's, you know, maybe figuring Spanish out, this isn't a bad movie to to maybe test out your listening skills. It, it was it was pretty easy to follow. Yeah, and sure. because it follows so many well-known tropes, even if you get a little bit lost, you can still follow along. Um, Absolutely. We haven't made any bizarre um, comparisons yet between White Christmas and 1,000 Miles from Christmas. Well, okay, I have to say this this is would be a, a terrible double feature in my opinion. <laughs> it would be awful. Oh, you you apart agree? from the fact that both Christmas films, I mean, yeah, because they would be a horrible double feature. Yeah, but I guess most Christmas movies would not be a good double feature in the sense that you're because I'm picturing like a movie theater, like you're sitting in a movie theater watching these two sounds absolutely awful. Mm. But you know, maybe you're doing a Christmas puzzle, maybe you're you're wrapping Christmas presents like Daniel was. Sure, that would work just fine. Half paying attention, <laughs> but. As far as paying full attention, double feature, I think I would I would go home <laughs> before everything was all said and done. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. I suppose like it's hard to make these comparisons because they're both Christmas films. They both feature a love plot like most Christmas films. So like they have similarities, but that's just because they're both Christmas films and kind of part of the genre. But there's no like, yeah. oh my god, they both make a telephone call in this one. <laughs> Well, Dan, you have to say that would that connection was uncanny. <laughs> Scream and um, and Time Crimes, the perfect double feature. Both have a weird phone call. Yeah, I'll never forget that. That and your Kronos DVD. I'm never gonna forget <laughs> about that. Dan. I'm still waiting for your Chris your Christmas present you send me with um with the Kronos DVD wrapped. Oh yeah, you're gonna have to send me an address, Bradley. <laughs> Ship it across. The- yeah, I wonder how much it would cost to send that Kronos DVD. Probably way too expensive for for what it is. Brad, you can't put a price on Kronos. I would pay somebody to take the DVD away from me if, if I had. <laughs> well, thankfully, um, you can find 1,000 Miles from Christmas on Netflix. And White Christmas is pretty readily available. How did, how did you watch it? 
Uh, it's also on Netflix, but at, at least in the States, but only until the 31st of, of December. And then they, they're advertising that. It's being taken off. Watch it right now. Yeah. I Did you watch it on Netflix? No, I didn't. I think I watched it literally on like Internet Archive or something. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. Because it's like one of those old films where they just have kind of available. Absolutely. But yeah, don't do it a double feature. Um, all right. Sincerely from the film pheasants community. I hope you had a happy Hanukkah, if that's what you celebrate. I hope you have a fantastic Christmas and a Merry New Year. A Merry New Year. A Merry New no Year. One, it's a, it means happy. No one's ever said a so. Merry New Year. Bro. Dan, I let you say charades like that like four times. <laughs> so you, I let you. I let you. I let you do your thing. Charades is the real way, but that, that's fine. Dan, well, that's fine. Like I said before. It's your language. We took it. Whatever. Well, in Spanish, they they don't even call it charades. They call it películas because it's just about films. Yeah, which I was I got the message, but I'm like, oh, okay. I guess they don't really have a word for it. So there, there you go. Or maybe they just don't like describing any of the other categories in charades. Ooh, that was really good. It could be. I don't know. Looked like fun though. Yeah, I I'm I'm looking forward to a bit of charades with the family. Um, yeah, that'd be good. Do you have any any kind of games you play at Christmas? My my mom's side of my family, we're like Scrabble junkies. We just absolutely, um, we play so many games of Scrabble every year. A couple of years ago, we all had COVID. I brought COVID home for Christmas and I gave it to everybody in my family. So um, there was like seven or eight of us just stuck in my house for all the time it took for us to get better. And we played, I think it was a week and we played like 14 games of Scrabble. Or no, more like 19. It was like 19. We we're playing like more than two games a day. It was crazy. But what about you, Dan? Any family games? That's pretty wild. Um, yeah, just the kind of like after dinner, like trivia and like charades and um, the yeah trivia. Those, I think is real popular kind of in, silly in ones. England compared to the states. Um, yeah, just stuff like that. Not anything in particular. We used to do a quiz every Boxing Day um, for the whole family, and I used to run it. Um, oh, but wow. in the past few years, it, we haven't really done it. Just we're all old now. Quiz being, like... you know. A quiz being trivia? Like a quiz, yeah. So we like a quiz with rounds. We had teams. Um, oh, okay. And we we'd yeah, normally have fun. like a Christmas round. We'd have like general knowledge, stuff about the year, um, sometimes stuff about our family. It always used to get nice and fun, yeah, nice. you know. Um, yeah, that's really fun. You should do it again this year, Dan. Yeah, maybe next year. We'll see. We'll see. What is Boxing Day again? Is that the day the after day Christmas? The day after Christmas, yes. Okay, oh, nice. I don't know why it's called Boxing well, all right, Day. all right, film pheasants community. What was that? Yeah, I'm not sure why it's called Boxing Day, but yeah. yeah. I remember learning the reason somewhere, I think. Well, all right, Film Pheasants community. Signing off for the last time in 2023. Join us in 2024 with... Um, do you have a team for the for our first one of the new It's going to be a mystery, folks. We'll get there when we get there. But it's been a pleasure. Uh, it works. Happy New Year, as Brad says. Feliz Navidad. Um, yeah. Have a good ho- holidays. I hope you're feeling in the Christmas spirit, because I am. Ta-ta, Daniel. Ta-ta. <laughs>